What is up? Welcome back. It is Tuesday, September 28th. This is episode 74 of Football Life Presents The Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my partner in crime, Matt Bushnell. Matt, episode 74, typical lineman number, but you got a little different twist for us today, right? Yeah, I'm going with the 2021 AL Central champions and out of my Chicago White Sox, Randy, Eloy Jimenez, baby. Better than any shitty Bears lineman I can think of off the top of my head. Certainly better than the man I could think of right off the bat. That is uh, ninth overall pick in the 2015 NFL draft. Eric Flowers, the guy the Giants tried to make the savior at left tackle, who was an absolute disaster. Um, and uh, the other 74 I could think of <laughs> is a... One of the teammates I had in high school, and he was the worst player we had on the team, and he was always the one that made us run laps because he can never finish his uh, sprint in time. So uh, I always remember 74 for that as well. All right. Well, we have uh, a loaded show for you, Matt Bush. Week three in the bush. Uh, in the bush. In, in the, the bush. bush. In the bush. In the books, I should say. Uh, and then we're going to preview week four as well. Um, so another loaded one on, uh, on the docket here. And we're going to start with uh, primetime, as we always do. In an NFC East showdown last night on Monday Night Football, uh, the Cowboys rolling over the Philadelphia Eagles. This game was not very competitive. Uh, it ended up being 41 to 21, Matt. And I always let you take the Monday Night Football games because the games I get to watch the least. East of, but from my understanding, Dak and the offense for the Cowboys look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, everything they wanted. Dak is having an MVP year, just flat out. Um, he has been everything and more, living up to the contract type. The, when I think it was a couple plays in the game, maybe even one of their uh, second plays, he just threw an absolute dime to CD Lamb, who got stopped right at that six inch line. But really, from there on, you could just tell it was Dak's game. Jalen Hurts, God knows who he was throwing to. Definitely mm-hmm. wasn't thrown to the Eagles. Definitely <laughs> thrown to the Cowboys. But the Eagles, they only ran Miles Sanders three times, Randy. It, the game plan was curious. It didn't make sense. And it, I, I felt like they did nothing. And that was kind of the theme this week. No one helped out their quarterbacks on the losing side of it this week. Yeah, it looks like a, on the on the score sheet anyway for Jalen Hurts. I'm one to forget. I mean, I, good fantasy night. But I mean, that's why you pick Jalen Hurts because he gives you that fantasy upside. But uh, 25 of 39, 326 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, uh, and then he's the leading rusher with nine carries for 35 yards. And like you said, the other two running backs, Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, combined with three carries. Um, and you know, Sanders had 27 yards on those two carries, so maybe they should have tried that a little bit more. Um, and then on the flip side, Dak Prescott, 21 of 26, 238 yards three touchdowns no picks was sacked four times um but hey you you talked we talked about comeback player of the year awards i said I, I thought dak would be that guy so far so good on that prediction um but this is what i like about the cowboys is that they're able to change up their game plan offensively week by week depending on their opponent um they felt like they could run the ball well against the eagles and they were right zeke 17 carries for 95 yards two touchdowns tony pollard 11 carries for 60 yards uh, I mean, these are the two guys. I mean, Pollard jumps off the screen, looks like a better back these days than Zeke does. But at the end of the day, you had 160 yards on the ground on 41 attempts. That's balanced football right there for the Cowboys offense. And we were wondering what the best unit was going to be in this division. And to me, through three weeks, it's the Cowboys offense and it's not close. Yeah, I kind of felt that coming into the season. I, I thought the Cowboys had a better offense than Washington had a defense. Mm-hmm. And my God, uh, Dallas' offense is 
going to tear up some record books here, I think, for doubt for, you know, team record wise, because this mm -hmm. offense is just clicking on every cylinder. And you pair that with just a really crappy division. And, you know, really, the Cowboys look like one of those, you know, top four teams in the NFC right now after last night. Uh, they they played the Bucks hard that, you know, you can make an argument that they should have won that game. Yeah, last, two field goals. yeah, two field goals cost them that game, literally cost them that game. They they went to L.A. and beat the Chargers. That's an mm -hmm. impressive win, no matter how you look at it. Yep. The Eagles, we kind of view them as kind of an up-and-coming team, but people better start respecting the star a little bit at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, we keep on making fun of them 25 years or, you know, 30 years ago they won a Super Bowl. They keep on living off of that. But I don't know. This team, I don't think they're good enough to beat the elite of the elite, but it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a good team. Yeah, what I'm impressed with is the team depth on offense now. I mean, you have Dalton Schultz, who's considered their backup tight end, their leading receiver. He had six for 80 and two touchdowns and made a great play to score on one of them. Um, Blake Jarwin, the other tight end, only had two for 14. You think of the Cowboys offense, you think, all right, CeeDee Lamb and Mari Cooper. I mean, combined, they had six catches for less than 100 yards. Uh, this this was Dak spreading the ball around here. I mean, Zeke had three catches. C.J. Wilson made a nice touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. I mean, if they're going to be making plays like this, they're going to be a lot harder to defend than we even thought coming in because if the yeah. running game is balanced on top of that i mean there is just as potent of an offense as any because you think of the rams who have an exciting offense they can't run the ball the bucks have an exciting offense they can't run the ball they are more balanced than these other teams at the top of the nfc so to me i mean the cowboys are just as dangerous as anybody i don't think their defense is anything to to sniff at but if their offense can score and put up points against anybody they can be in any game so um if you're a giants fan or a fan of the team any team in the nfc east uh you kind of hate to see this because the cowboys start to look like a, a potential contender here in the NFC. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I like them a lot. It's going to be a tough team. Yeah. To beat. And then Philly, uh, work in progress. So uh, we expected that coming in, and uh, I expect them to be competitive, but I, I was expecting a little bit more from Philly in that game, but ultimately uh, Dallas was too much. All right, we're going to move on to the other, uh, or another primetime game, I should say, in Sunday night football and he's a bad man, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Uh, 37 seconds is too long for one of the most talented quarterbacks I have ever seen in my life. Maybe the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Um, mind you, I'm pretty young still, so don't get on me for that. But ultimately, Aaron Rodgers down one with 37 seconds after the Niners take the lead. No problem for Aaron Rodgers. He, he goes down the field and leads the Packers and Mason Crosby to the game-winning field goal, and the Packers win 30-28. to 28. Matt Bushnell, look, we were panicking after week one. Oh, no, is Aaron Rodgers giving up on the season? Oh, is he tanking? Is he Paul Crew? And I think Aaron Rodgers at this point has said, no, I'm pretty invested in this year, and I'm ready to, to take the Packers to the promised land. And he, I feel like he slayed a demon that has always haunted him in the 49ers. I think this is a huge win for Green Bay. Yeah, I take a look at – you know, the week one matchup against the Saints, Aaron Rodgers' career numbers in Florida are absolutely atrocious. Uh -huh. uh, his worst game last year came against Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. So it's just one of those things where, you know, I've never seen a player really struggle in a state before. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers seems to struggle in Florida for whatever reason. Um, you know, maybe it's just because it's a really crappy state. Who knows? But <laughs> at, at, the, at the end of the day, when you take a look at this football game, there was a lot of things as a Packers fan that I think you could be encouraged about. This Packers team seemed to embrace that more physical type of play. 
where they really took the fight to San Francisco. You saw a lot of crackbacks on Joey or Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. They were really trying to squeeze them in, um, really chipping and along with um, double teaming guys to give Aaron Rodgers that extra bit of time. And you see, you see a lot of people criticize the 49ers defense for that, you know, with the 37 seconds left. For, it's hard to argue with that defense in a couple of senses. Number one, they were guarding the sidelines with their corners and um, their extra, I guess you could say, slot corners because they didn't want to give up the sideline and let Aaron Rodgers just dink and dunk and control the clock. So what they did was they played three safeties really deep in that prevent defense, guarded mm-hmm. the sidelines, and then had a couple of DBs stay, you know, in that flat area. But really what it allowed Rodgers to do is take those big chunks down the middle of the field to Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you could tell when an offense has been together for a really long time with how quickly and how efficiently they were able to get back up to the line and spike the football. Mm-hmm. Now now we can argue, okay, why did they do this again when the Packers were on the, you know, like the 50-ish yard line? Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't remember, Aaron Rodgers is basically the king of the Hail Mary. Like, yes. that is a guy that you don't want him taking a shot at the end zone. No. So, so essentially what it did was it relaxed the coverage up. They attacked the middle of the field again, got that first down, spike it, field goal, end of game. And it was a masterclass performance by Aaron Rodgers, ultimately, right? I mean, we, I, I feel like there's a narrative around him that he's a choker, not clutch. And I just feel like it's such nonsense. I mean, there's not a more, I mean, other than Tom Brady, is there a more terrifying quarterback to play uh, late in a game? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I think, is starting to develop that sort of uh, uh, reputation. But I feel like Aaron Rodgers, time and time again, and especially if you're a fan of team in the NFC North, you know this man will rip your heart out every single time. He's a stone-cold killer. Um, I know in the playoffs, uh, the defense has let him down too many times, but I don't know how this man doesn't have as much respect as he should have. I, I just think he is the most talented player, uh, quarterback especially, that I've ever seen. Um, he finishes with 23-33, 261 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and the Packers, like you said, they're not playing soft. The whole reason they get dominated by these teams is that they traditionally play a soft brand of football. This game, they established the run 25 for hundred on, on a touchdown, obviously four yards carry. It's that's the standard. Aaron Jones is always a nice weapon. 19 carries for 82 yards there and a touchdown. And then Devontae Adams and the Aaron Rodgers connection is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, Devontae finishes 12 for 132 and a touch on 18 targets. So there's clearly a guy Rodgers trusts and uh, Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling 359 and a touchdown. So uh, look, I don't think that this is, you know, a long-term outlook for the Niners. I don't think it's necessarily that negative. I just think Aaron Rodgers came to play and said, I'm not losing to you guys again. I feel like so many times the Niners have humiliated him, especially in the postseason. Um, one thing I will say about the Niners is at one point, Matt, I'll even ask you, when do you start having the quarterback conversation if you haven't already? Because Jimmy G went 25 of 40, 257, two touchdowns and a pick. And he's fine, but ultimately you drafted a quarterback third overall. Um, I feel like you're going to want that guy in and maybe he can take you over the top and lead you to eventually to where you want to go. Because Jimmy G doesn't feel like the guy who's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, when when Jimmy G uh, inexplicably threw the ball into the ground backwards, um, it definitely left you with this sinking feeling in your gut, like, 
what is he doing? To, to me, I, I think we go back and we take a look at all these quarterbacks and, you know, we'll touch on a lot of them. I don't think Trey Lance is ready. I, I think there's a lot of aspects to his game, and this may be something where the 49ers are going to have to live with all year. I think you'd rather throw a quarterback out there a little bit too late, let him cook, you know, a little bit longer than, you know, throwing them out there too soon because you could have some really bad results and you could damage a quarterback's confidence, especially a rookie's rather easily. So to me, I, th I think Shanahan's playing this about as well as he can. He's giving Lance some really nice packages where he's going to have success, but ultimately wins are going to have to matter. And if Shanahan doesn't win games, I, I don't feel like nine and eight, or eight and nine is going to feel very comfortable for Shanahan next season, because then you start having that conversation. Like now they're healthy, you know, outside of the running back position, what else does he need? What is yeah. he missing? Because if Trey Lance is a bust, who made that decision? Who's on the hot seat? Because somebody's going to have to answer for these questions because Jesus. this, yeah, I mean, th this for all purposes, there's people that said this is a Super Bowl roster. Mm -hmm. At some point, that too. yeah, yeah, you, you got to produce now. It, it, no more excuses. There's been he's had five seasons, I think, or, or four seasons. I don't know how many seasons, but three were losing seasons so far. He's had three losing all but seasons. one, all but one. Yep. So um, I, I would say this about the Trey Lance thing. The, the spot that they're not healthy in the most is obviously running back. They've had some secondary injuries as well. Um, I feel like the Niners have always seem to drop like flies, but the Trey Lance could also help your running game. And you've seen that already. They obviously put him in situations to run. He had one carry for one yard and a touchdown uh, in this game. Um, to me, if you have that dual threat guy who is obviously more of a runner than he is a thrower, um, that only helps your running game. You, it helps Trey Sermon, it helps Kyle Juszczyk. And if you can get um, <laughs> your other running backs back, I mean, Elijah Mitchell, uh, all these other guys you had, obviously most are done for the year, but he only can help your running game. And that's when the Niners are truly the best version of themselves is when they can run, establish time of possession uh, and dominate the uh, line of scrimmage that way. So I feel like this is only heading to – uh, Trey Lance starting, and I don't know if it's going to take a Jimmy G injury. I feel like it should be before that. But uh, this conversation, I think the Niners are probably having behind the scenes as we are having it right now. I just I, I don't feel like Trey Lance is better than Jimmy G overall to win championships right now. And if you throw Trey Lance out there, Trey Lance is, is going to lose you more games than Jimmy G will. And as a 49er fan, as a person that works in the organization, they have to ask themselves, is that, is that what they want? The biggest problem with the 49ers team right now is they're too inconsistent with how they utilize Kittle. The fact mm -hmm. that he hasn't had more, you know, a bigger impact in the passing game is a problem. You know, last season, I liked how they utilized Ayuk and Debo. You know, you have to get those guys more involved on reverses, and even line them up in mm -hmm. the backfield. This seems like a stale kind of offense that people have seen for three or four years now, and even with Shanahan. So if Jimmy G is not going to open up the passing game for you to utilize those weapons, of course your run game is going to suffer because people don't respect Jimmy G. That opens the door for Kittle to tear them up in the middle of the field. 
I, I just I don't understand the play calling and the game planning here. Yeah, I think do think Jimmy though is is flawed, and Henry in the comments said Jimmy does look nervous in the pocket. I think big moments do bring out a little bit of uh, the shakes out of Jimmy Garoppolo on occasion. So I don't know. I just feel like maybe that another put uh, another option might be might be better for them. I don't know. I, I ultimately the Niners will be fine here unless the injuries get to be insurmountable, uh, which is totally possible. But I agree on the Kittle point because he did have a nice game here and the comeback started when they started to get him involved. So he is elite. He is uh, top two at the position and he has potential to be even better than that. So um, I think he is the the key uh, figure in that whole offense. So, yeah. And and just for the Trey Lance talk, just to kind of put a bow on it here, Randy, Mm -hmm. he, he played one game last year. He played 12 the year before. Mm-hmm. All right. So this kid doesn't have a whole lot of game experience and he played at a lower division. You're asking him to go up three, four levels in competition and expect him to beat NFL defenses. I, I, I don't like that prospect. I, I think the 49ers are playing this quarterback position correctly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll find out. All right, the other primetime game, which was it feels like forever ago by the time we do yeah. these shows, uh, Thursday night football, and not really much to talk about other than Sam Darnold uh, looks like he is the next uh, contestant on the <laughs> Get Away from Adam Gay sweepstakes. Come on down, Sam Darnold. Now 3-0, has the second most passing yards of anyone who switched teams to their first three games, only behind Kurt Warner. Um Looks much more confident. Um, and I'm not saying he's a change man completely because I still think he has issues, but ultimately you can see the difference in his play and in his confidence in his decision-making. And you just have to think to yourself, are the jets just a cemetery for quarterbacks? Does it really matter who they take and when are they all just there to die? Or is it just Adam Gase? I don't know. Anyway, Darnold, 23-34, 304 yards, no passing touchdowns, but did have two on the ground with 11 yards rushing. So, Matt Bush, one of the question is, is this a mirage with Sam Darnold? Is it a, is it a cushy schedule? What have you seen uh, from the California kid who everyone seemed to write off after his time in New York? He's looked better. I, I, I think you could definitively say that he's looked better. It's not really great competition that he's beating, but you know what? This is better than what it was. So I think you would take this. If you like Sam Darnold, and by all accounts, he's a really great kid. You know, mm-hmm. he says all the right things and he really tries to, you know, be honest and open with it. It's it's an Adam Gase thing. It, it really is. Because now you got Tannehill, you got um, Darnold now. And then, then you also take a look at like his high school won a state title after he left LSU won a national title after mm-hmm. he left. Like this guy is like the living embodiment of cancer. Like mm. things only go up when he's gone. I mean, if I was his wife, I would divorce him tomorrow because things can only get better. <laughs> Isn't there a movie about this where a guy, every girlfriend he has, they break up, they find their husband after they're done or something. I forgot what it's called. But if you know, you know what I'm Chuck. talking about. Huh? Good luck, Chuck, I think. Good luck, Chuck. That's right. That's right. I think it's Dane Cook, isn't it? Yeah, Dane Cook was the star in that movie, along with yeah. uh, Jessica Alba. I think you're right about that. Yeah. 
So there you go. Good luck, Chuck. Reference for you here on the pod. But that's you're right. That's what it feels. That's what it sounds like to me. Is that every time he someone leaves him, they they end up getting what they ended up wanting. So um, good for Darnold, I guess. If you, unless you're you know a Darnold hater or a Jets fan, you kind of hate to see it. Uh, on the flip side, the Texans started Davis Mills in this game. They're probably the I don't know, second longest neck I've ever seen on a quarterback. <laughs> uh, 19 to 28, 168 yards. The touchdown, he uh, he looked like he just wasn't ready. The game a little bit too fast for him, I thought. Good arm strength, but overall, very slow at processing the game around him. But I guess the big story in this game, and we should mention it, is that Christian McCaffrey, uh, number one overall pick in fantasy football, one of the best running backs in the league, if not the best running back in the league, missed a ton of time last year with injuries, uh, left this game with a hamstring issue. Um, he pulled up on a run and then he left, got into a tent and just walked off. Um, I think they're being extra cautious with this because of the time he missed last year. They seem optimistic he's not going to miss too much time. They said today they're not putting him on injured reserve. Uh, but I don't know anything about Chuba Hubbard, Matt Bush and all, but uh, this is a big loss. McCaffrey helped with the Darnold looking good aspect of this. Yeah, I think now the Panthers go into the meat of their schedule. The things are going to get a little bit tougher. You don't get to play the Texans and Jets anymore. So now you get to play some real NFL teams and without Christian McCaffrey, Sam Darnold's got to take the next step in this, in this Mm -hmm. evolution, this rebirth. And if he doesn't, you know, I I think you start looking back at it like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that great of a quarterback, but there's things that he does that are really good, but man, it, without Christian McCaffrey, that's a huge loss. You know, Mm -hmm. DJ Moore is still good. Robbie Anderson's still good. And, Guess what? They just traded their tight end, Dan Arnold, to the Jaguars yeah. for a corner. C.J. Henderson, former first-rounder. Yeah, and I, 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 I'll be honest with you, Randy, I don't get that move. I, I don't I know. I, you know. I know you needed a corner. Richard Sherman's out there hanging out. I, to, to me, you could have had a corner that you know, is a little bit older, but definitely smarter than CJ Henderson in that regard, a little bit wiser, knows what NFL teams are going to try to do. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you wouldn't have to give up your starting tight end. So t- to me, this was puzzling. So now you're going to see the Panthers uh, probably adjust to more DJ Moore, which is much to my delight because I have him uh, in a ton of fantasy leagues. Um, but he had eight for 126 in this game. He looked really good. Terrace Marshall Jr. is the rookie at LSU. Uh, he's a stud. And then I think you need more out of Robbie Anderson. He had that one touchdown in week one, but he has not done much since. So I think you, you're going to see them uh, start to draw more plays for those guys because they do still have playmakers. I just think without McCaffrey, they have to be a little bit more creative. So that game's 24 to nine and the Carolina Panthers are now three and oh, and in first place in the NFC South. So I don't think any of us saw that one coming, but nonetheless, Sam Darnold leading them to first place. So sorry, Jacob, who just joined us, uh, <laughs> your boy, uh, doing, doing good things in other places. So let's move on. Unfortunately, we have to go to this just nonsense of a game. Uh, and I wanted to start with it. This is our rapid fire recap segment where we touch on all the non primetime games, all the games on that Sunday slate. When we're watching seven hours of commercial free football. This was the game that was the worst game of the day. And there's a game, there were, there were, a, there was a whole shutout involved and this was still the worst game in my opinion. The Giants let the Atlanta Falcons roll into MetLife Stadium on Eli Manning Day, uh, where they retire the number 10, give him a halftime ceremony, where they booed the absolute living hell out of John Merrill, which <laughs> made my entire day, and yet they lose 
to the lowly, pathetic Atlanta Falcons. So uh, this is an absolute joke. This is embarrassing. Like th- this is a game the Giants absolutely had to win because now they're 0-3. And if you look at the schedule, Matt, I don't know where the hell they're getting a win from. You might get a win in Miami, and that's week 13. So with a bye week involved, you're 0-11. So this is going to get ugly early for the Giants. He already has gotten ugly early for the Giants. Sterling Shepard left this game. Uh, Evan Ingram had a brutal fumble in this game. (laughs) Blake Martinez left this game with a knee injury. Turns out he tore his ACL. He's done for the year. The Giants are a disaster. And it's not even the quarterback's fault. He actually has done okay. But it is the rest of it. It is the Joe Judge making making these guys run laps when does nothing for this team. He's clueless in in in-game scenarios. Doesn't doesn't know when to challenge has no idea when to punt, doesn't understand situations. This man punted on the Falcons' 39-yard line on fourth and three, and it was – I believe they were up seven. They have Graham Gano, who could have made a 56-yard field goal if you wanted to go that route, but absolutely do not punt the ball. That is a surrender index, which is a a Twitter account that I follow, which documents how cowardly punts are. This was in the 99th percentile in the 21st century of punts. Like, this is is a joke. This whole organization is – freaking disaster i'm sick of it i want Dave gentleman gone i'm done with joe judge already jason garrett the fact that he still has a job is embarrassing as well i'm done with it america can knock over all the chairs and trash cans he wants <laughs> i am done I, I can't believe i was even sort of optimistic about this team they are absolutely toast and it's not even october yet matt what the hell is wrong with me i don't know uh, you're cautiously optimistic let's go with that um you know the, the funniest thing we were talking about on Sunday, and um, I, I think you shared the picture of that. And Henry had the line of the night, in my opinion, when he said white people anger, because that just cracked me up. <laughs> he just knocked over some trash cans. Yeah. Everyone's so scared of you, John. Um, I, I just go back to just the clueless decision making, you know. He, and guess what? The, the Bears have done it twice now, and the Giants just did it with. You had Pat Shermer. You drafted Daniel Jones. Don't fire your fucking coach after one season of drafting a quarterback because the next head coach may not like that quarterback. You know, it's it, – it, I got things you don't do. You, you don't do that, and you don't hire Patriot assistant coaches to run your football team because they're not Bill Belichick. They never special will. teams coach. The special teams coach. I know. I know this is not a good situation for the Giants. I think Daniel Jones' time is up in New York. They'll probably give him another year. Um, I don't know if they draft a quarterback, depending on where they fall in the draft and how good this class is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just a series of blunders. You you take Saquon Barkley, number two, with the idea that you're going to pair him with Odell Beckham Jr. and keep Eli Manning. Well, well, guess what? Eli didn't turn out as good. You hung on him for too long, but you could have got another quarterback in free agency, or you could have traded draft capital to get a proven signal caller. Maybe you get Tom Brady. I, I don't know, but there were options out there. If you keep Odell, you don't make these moves, but it's, it's just every wrong move after another. Andrew Thomas, he might be a nice player. But Tristan Wirfs and Mekhi Becton, when Becton's hurt right now, have absolutely dominated at left tackle. Both of them. Wirfs, I think, has only allowed three sacks in his entire career at this point, if that. To, to, to me, you just can't make these mistakes, and they've made too many of them. Now they got to pay the piper, which probably means they're cleaning house. And if they don't clean house, if, I, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm done. I'm out. You know, if, 
Gettleman and Judge come back and Jones come back, they bring this three ring fucking circus back another year. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. It's done. It's done. They have to go. There's no justification. I don't care if they win four games at the end of the year. It's, it's just stop doing this every single year. It's embarrassing. It, it is such a joke. And Barkley, I mean, oh, it's been a, it's been a whole calendar year since the Torres ACL and everyone recovers differently. I understand that. But this man is still not all there mentally, still obviously thinking about it. He had 16 and 51 for a touchdown and he had six catches for 43 yards. He's not the same guy. You cannot extend him. He is not a game changer. He doesn't help your offense as much as you think he does. He does not run hard and up the middle. He kicks everything outside always. He often gets stuffed in the backfield, and that's the offensive line more so than him. And you don't have the right play caller to help him succeed. And uh, it's just everything you could possibly do wrong, Giants seem to make. They seem to sprint to that decision. It's it's amazing how this (laughs) keeps happening. And the yeah. Falcons, like, they didn't do anything. Like, this game was was awful. Like, they, the Falcons didn't do really anything well, and they somehow managed to win this game. Matt Ryan, 27-36, 243 yards, two touchdowns. They didn't run the ball well. Cordero Patterson, seven carries for 20 yards, and then he also made a few plays in the air. Um, he had a, six catches for 82 yards as well. So yeah. um, he seems to be the lone playmaker because Ridley, they can't get the ball to him. He's too good for Matt Ryan. He eight for 61, and then Pitts only made two – had two catches as well. So yeah. – like this is an all-time bad loss for the Giants, and they deserve all the shit that's about to happen to them because they go to New Orleans in the first game to the Dome uh, next week, and it's going to be a similar – I'm not saying similar, like a Katrina aspect of it, but there is going to be that vibe in there. So there's, it's going to get ugly for the Giants if it hasn't already. So yep. you need to stop talking about them for my mental health, Matt Bushnell. So let's move on. These are rapid-fire recaps anyway, and we're going to talk quickly about this game because this was an absolute blowout. And after the first two weeks, we had our doubts about Josh Allen, but he came back with a vengeance in this game and looked like the Josh Allen from last year. He finished 32 of 43, 358 yards, four touchdowns, and one on the ground. So five total touchdowns for Josh Allen in a 43 to 21 route of the Washington football team. And I'm just so glad I never made it to the casino to bet on the Washington football team <laughs> to win this division. And they're over because they do not look like the defense I expect them to look like. And the Bills look like they are just as good as anyone in the AFC right now. Yeah, Bills played a really good game. And Josh Allen, you know, made some just really superb throws and you notice he started rolling back to his right again they started getting Mm -hmm. him out of the pocket moved it he's much more comfortable that way had his best game of the year no coincidence there and then that's the thing you do what your players are able to do what they're good at why hide these things why not utilize those tools but to me overall washington's in big trouble they don't have a quarterback i don't care what people think of heineken not that good you know I, i I'm not a fan that the offense has pieces. The defense has taken a major step back this year. I have no idea what's going on with that. I love Ron Rivera, but to me, this team has some big question marks and they better figure some stuff out because they need someone at that quarterback position to give this team some hope. Yeah, I, I mean, Heineke's obviously not the guy. Fitzpatrick was never going to be the guy long-term anyway. This is a stopgap to whoever they can bring in or draft or whoever. Um, but Heineke, 14-24, 212 yards, a touchdown and two picks. The Bills' defense really was putting it on them for a while. At home, especially, they play really well. Um, Matt Milano uh, has – yeah, he has made a real difference for them on the defensive side of the ball. Uh 
Trey Edmonds is so fast, still so young, really good at linebacker position. They have a great secondary with Micah Hyde, uh, Jordan Poyer, uh, and Tredavious White. Like they have good players all over the place on defense. Um, and the Bills really turned like looked like they returned to form a little bit in this game. Cole Beasley had 11 catches for 98 yards. Emmanuel Sanders five for 94, two touchdowns. Diggs six for 62. I mean, Allen spread the ball all around. Dawson Knox four for 49 in the touchdown. Zach Moss three for 31 in the touchdown. I mean, he really did. Everyone got a catch. Seemed like this candidate that was eligible for one. So uh, this is the peak Bills. This is Brian Dayball in his bag uh, and just letting it all fly and still running the ball effectively because they still had over 120 yards on the ground. So um, this Bills team, when they are clicking, is just as dangerous as anybody, in my opinion. And you saw that uh, on Sunday. So uh, Washington's defense, very disappointed by it. Antonio Gibson, save your day in fantasy with a one catch for 73-yard touchdown. <laughs> Overall, you're disappointed by Washington. Uh, maybe you're not, but I certainly am disappointed by Washington, but Buffalo now two and one uh, and looking like they're taking charge in that division. So, all right, Matt, I think it's time. I was checking the rundown. Uh, it's time to talk about your team, I believe. Uh, yes, it is. And I believe I'm just getting where Justin Fields got sacked again, actually. <laughs> um, so, you know, prayers up for him. <laughs> uh, and it was Miles Garrett again. So you might as well just give him a pro bowl now and just get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> there are sacks all over this game, but Justin Fields was sacked nine times for 67 yards as a net loss. Baker Mayfield sacked five times for 43 net loss. So this game just filled with sacks everywhere. Bad offensive line play, good defense play all over the place. Um, but to me, the story was the Bears game plan for Justin Fields was not there. Justin Fields did not look exactly ready. But again, I put that on coaching. And when you're sacked nine times in your first NFL career start, welcome to the league, my friend. Here's how it, here's how it is when you have a bad head coach and a bad offensive game plan and almost a team looking to sabotage you from the beginning. Yeah, um, Dan Orblowski has some pretty strong words about this. Uh, coaching mm -hmm. malpractice, you know, yeah. Matt Nagy fired right on the spot. First of all, I, I don't believe in firing a coach midseason, you know, or even early, this early in the season, because if you're going to do that, you have to have some serious, serious dysfunction going on. Um, but, Randy, I, I don't know what to add to this. You and I have talked about this offline numerous times. People saw my reaction at, during the draft, and I have no ill will towards Justin Fields. I actually think he's actually a really, really good quarterback. He needs time to develop. And some people argue, well, he needs to develop on the field. No, not with this Bears team and not with this Bears coach. This guy, and this is the biggest issue I have. We all knew what Mitch Trubisky was good at. We all knew what he was bad at. As soon as Bill Lazor took over last year, granted it was against some bad teams, but they're putting up 40 points a game. 40 points here, 40 points there. Mitch is moving the ball. Mitch is throwing touchdown passes. Mitch is running for touchdown passes. You could win games in the NFL with Mitch Trubisky if you wanted to play the, that way. This head coach wants to win with his scheme, and that's the scheme he, that he brought with him from Kansas City. And the biggest issue is with his scheme is you need elite offensive linemen, not average offensive linemen, not even good offensive linemen. You need elite offensive linemen. And if you don't have that, this scheme does not work. It's just mind-boggling to me, Randy, that they should have fired Nagy. They should have fired Pace. But if when they decide to keep them, there's no reason why you let these two idiots trade up in the draft to select a quarterback. 
And my biggest concern is they gave these idiots two years. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't begin to fathom this whole situation. It's so typical Bears bullshit. But what's going to happen is the Bears are going to play themselves out of keeping Nagy. I, it, Detroit is going to be a very serious issue next week, and we'll get to that. But to me, this game signified the Matt Nag Nagy era. Matt Nagy's last 29 games calling plays, Bears have averaged 18 points per game mm. under 300 yards of total offense for 29 fucking games. They cannot score more than 18 points a game. Your defense has to hold people to 17 points a game or less to win. And no defense in this environment in the NFL can consistently hold teams to under 17 points a game. It cannot happen. I'm done with this clown show. I hope they lose enough games where this idiot doesn't come back. And I pray to God that Justin Fields does not play another snap this year. Let Andy Dalton get all the snaps. There's no reason to bring this kid in because this team will do nothing. This head coach will do nothing to help him. That's all I got. You're right, though. I mean, you've seen it time and time again with Matt Nagy, head coach. Uh, he does not help put his quarterbacks in the ideal situation to succeed. I told you as soon as they were going to start fields that they needed to have a completely separate playbook for fields and they have for Dalton because he's a completely different skill set. He has different capabilities than Andy Dalton has. And sure enough, they basically ran the Andy Dalton offense for Justin Fields. And, 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 and but, the, the most frustrating part is that they had the playbook last year with Mitch fucking Trubisky. It's the same fucking playbook. These two have similar traits. Justin Fields is a better player. I have no doubt about that, but you had the plays from last year. Bill uh -huh. Lazor enabled him to do that. Uh, is mm -hmm. this is stupid and you know what the browns are too good of a football team to come out there and expect that because miles garrett is defensive player of the year material every single year he puts on those pads just absolutely stupid no double teaming no chipping you know the whole game plan was fucking trash which is amazing to me because miles garrett had four and a half sacks in this game and the fact that you didn't want to think to, to even chip the guy is <laughs> just let your left tackle go out there and get absolutely dominated by one of the best pass rushers in the league is, is exactly that coaching malpractice. Um, I have a, I listened to a Barstool podcast called Pardon My Take, which is probably something people are familiar with. And there's a guy who is a Bears fan and he said, there's no doubt in my mind that Matt Nagy uh, did this on purpose to, to prove that he was right to say Andy Dalton was better for the Bears right now than Justin Fields was. Now, if that's the case, <laughs> that's obviously a fireable offense. But is that something you kind of believe that he's stubborn enough to say, hey, we're going to roll Andy Dalton back out here because Fields wasn't ready, and he did that on purpose to show? No, because I, I think when your job is on the line, you gotta be, you got to be smarter than that. You know, it, I, I think Matt Nagy, if the one thing that we can see is he refused to do it with Mitch. Uh -huh. Like, that's just not his style of coaching. Um, I, he's just stubborn. You know, and Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, those are perfect quarterbacks for his type of system. Th those guys fit his system. So I go back and, and I just have to wonder, why not draft Mac Jones then? If, if this is what you wanted to run, Mac mm -hmm. Jones fits that profile. Why yeah. go get Justin Fields? Because Justin Fields is dynamic. He does his best work outside of the pocket. Mac Jones is inside the pocket. You know, he can pick teams apart. Obviously, it takes him a little bit of time to get going. 
but this is just asinine and stupid. I, I don't get why you would select the same type of player that you just got rid of. Did Nagy do this on purpose? No. And Emmanuel is asking if the Bears lose to Detroit, would Nagy get fired? There's no way. I, I think if anything, if they lose to Detroit, it just lets you know that he will be fired at the end of the season. This team will not fire a head coach midseason unless it is historically dysfunctional. I agree. They're similar to the Giants in that aspect, where they're too afraid to make uh, in-season changes. Um, the Browns, they did what the Browns do here. And Baker Mayfield, 19-31, 246 yards and a touchdown. But on the ground, they absolutely dominated uh, their rushing attack between Chubb and Hunt. Uh, Chubb, 22 for 84. Hunt, 10 for 81 and a touchdown. They had 215 total yards on the ground. Baker added 31 of his own. And this game featured the return of Odell Beckham Jr. for the first time in almost yep. a year. Uh, he had five for 77 and nine targets. And the best catch of the day he made, it was out of bounds even. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I think Odell looked pretty good. And yep. I had asked you how he looks. I think it the chance to watch him but then i got and watched some of his uh his plays and man, i didn't think he had much hesitation at all I'm, I'm actually excited to see if uh the browns can put it together with obj after three years yeah they get him and jarvis landry back uh Corey richmond should be a very excited browns fan because it balances this offense out something fierce and I, i'll give credit their offensive line's not bad i know the bears had five sacks but robert quinn has been playing a different type of football this year he's been really good Khalil Mack is what we expected, what we need mm -hmm. to see out of him. But, the, but then you take a look at, you know, you, with uh, Chubb and Hunt, and then you got Najoku. I mean, I love Stefanski. Three tight end sets. Why the Bears don't do that? I have no idea. They have four tight ends on the damn roster. Use mm -hmm. them. Stefanski's like, I'm throwing all my tight ends out at you. And that just really popped the running game. It, it opened up so many holes because you got these mammoth tight ends blocking these little itty bitty corners and they all are, are, are good pass catching options too. I mean, Harrison, Bryant, David and Joku and Austin Hooper. I mean, the Browns are really stacked and they have a great roster and Spansky was as good of a coach hire as anyone has made yeah. <laughs> in the last two years, obviously. So uh, I love the Browns and I said that coming in and they probably should have beat the chiefs week one. And you know, who knows what happens at that point. So um, I think the sky's the limit for the Brownies in Cleveland. Who, who would have thought? Uh, all right, moving on to Detroit, where things are not always looking up. And unfortunately <laughs> for the Lions, they are the victim of yet another unbelievable play at the end of a game. And this time it is with the foot of none other than Justin Tucker. Um, we talk about how Adam Minitari, who retired recently, was the greatest kicker of all time. I think there is a legitimate challenge here with Justin Tucker. Obviously, Minitari had the opportunity to kick more big time clutch kicks. But Tucker, time and time again, makes an unbelievable kicks and is an unbelievably clutch. And it's crazy to think he actually, um, I think he missed a kick in this game <laughs> earlier in it. Uh, yeah, he was four for five in field goals, um, but he made the one that counted. A NFL record 66-yarder as time expired. And I had never seen a ball bounce off the crossbar and off and then go into the net. I don't think I've ever seen that before in my life. As soon as he kicked it, it was on money. It was, it was online. I thought there was a good chance it was going in, but I didn't know if it had the distance and sure enough it did. And, and poor Lions fans, because you have a legitimate gripe with the last drive here. Uh, there should have been a delay of game. I know there's a little wiggle room there. They usually give you a second or so before they call it. And they probably gave Lamar Jackson a little too much time there. That obviously would have push them back um five yards ten yards and it would have been you know game over at that point so if you're a Lions fan you have a bad taste in your mouth after this one but the legend of Justin Tucker continues this Matt Bushnell this guy's unbelievable 
Yeah, what an amazing kick, you know. And the thing is, it was in Detroit, you know, closed door stadium, which is fine. You know, nothing against them. I don't think he makes that in Baltimore just because Probably of the, not. yeah, the, the density of the air is a little bit heavier. Unless the wind is on your side. That's the yeah. only way. Yep. But in Denver, that probably would have been good from 70. So mm-hmm. that which is where Matt Prater set the record previously. Yes. So kudos to Justin Tucker, just an absolute bomb of a leg. Lamar Jackson, kind of disappointing, expected a little bit more, didn't get much. Um, he really was balling out. He got hot in period there, but then kind of cooled back off. Uh, you got to give credit to Detroit, man. Detroit is feisty as hell. Mm-hmm. They are fighting tooth and nail. They're going to win a game here pretty soon. And then they might win a couple after that, too. They're not a really talented football team in some important positions. Their secondary is garbage. You know, the quarterback is suspect. Panay Sewell is a man. That dude is just swallowing people mm-hmm. at left tackle. You know, there is nothing coming from that side. So to me, if I'm a Lions fan, I'm excited because I think you got the right coach for the good, you know, building a culture. I think that's going to be really good for them. I think they got the right left tackle, which is really important for them. They're going to have a high draft pick and they're going to get their quarterback. And once they piece all those things together in a couple of years and Aaron Rodgers rides off to Denver, he might be looking at a new NFC North champion here. Hmm. Future looking up for the Lions here. Uh, look, I like Dan Campbell. I think he has them playing an inspired brand of football, considering their talent level. I like how they utilize the players that they do have that are talented. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson. Like those are the guys you need to be feeding. Don't really dick around and do all these stuff. Like they're not that they're not cute. They actually do utilize the players that they have. So I respect that. But ultimately, Matt, this game is not as close if the man who calls himself Hollywood. Uh, made a couple <laughs> plays here. Uh, Marquise Brown uh, had three for 55 and no touchdowns, but on seven targets, two brutal drops on two awesome throws by Lamar Jackson. You'd have to think this game does not even come down to that 66-yard leg of uh, of Justin Tucker if he could pull those down. Yeah, Marquise Brown is who he is. I, I would be lying to say that I wouldn't expect that, but this has been his career. You know, just bad drops all the time. It's just who he is. You know, the Ravens would do themselves a pretty big favor if they really upgrade that wide receiver room. You know, I'm I'm thinking there's a guy that's going to be a free agent that's coming up off season who would be a really reliable target for the old Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And he just happens to wear number 12 for the Chicago Bears. So who might be unhappy with his current situation. So, yeah, he's gone. He's not sticking around for that shit show. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens were all in on Kenny Galladay in the offseason as well. So they, they know they need a number one, and Marquise Brown is not helping. Uh, no. So, yeah. All right. It is time now to talk about the AFC South showdown between the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. I believe we had a Titan fan representation earlier in this group. Yes, Melvin Lopez Ona, Ana. Sorry, I don't know how to say that name, but uh, he had commented Titan up earlier in this uh, in the show. So he's happy, Camper, because the Titans beat the Colts 25-16 to 16 to improve to 2-1 and one and take a commanding lead in AFC South and the Colts who uh, we both thought would probably be better than this fall to zero and three and the future looks bleak for them. Uh, <laughs> I, I just to be honest, this is probably the game I watched the least on Sunday because there wasn't a ton of action, but Derrick Henry tracked or Cito season starting early for them. 28 carries 113 yards. And he had three catches for 31. 
And then not, not a great game by Ryan Tannehill, even 18 for 27, 197 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. But this cold season is about as good as Carson Wentz has been because he is off to a rough start, 19 for 37, 194 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. And he just looks lost. He just looks like he's not playing confident football. And you can tell um, and the way he plays. And, and obviously injuries have an uh, impact there as well. But overall, this cold season feels like it's over already. I mean, the schedule lightens up, but ultimately you got to win one of these. And I thought they would have came out and played better than they did uh, on Sunday. You know, you're only as tough as your mentality allows you to be. And I think this Colts offense does not have a very tough mentality. When we take a look at the total totality of what has gone on and what has happened with this Colts team, I go back to Carson Wentz. I picked the Titans to win this game because I think Carson Wentz is a gutless wonder. I, I just, I don't believe in the guy. I think he's weak mentally. He lets too many, too many opportunities, too many outside distractions bother him. And that's what bothers me the most about him. I mean, he's a talented dude. You can't take mm-hmm. anything away from him. But this Colts offensive line is not as good as it has been. The wide receiver, you know, M- Michael Pittman's doing the best he can. He still has to develop. We never know. He might be a number one, but he looks better suited to be a number two at this point. The, the running game is non-existent at this point. I mean, I don't know what's going on. That defense is good enough to win games. But this Colts team is just, yeah. You know, I, I don't believe in it. I, I think this team is mentally soft, you know, with Wentz's refusal to have another top tier backup behind him. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't like it. So, you know, I'm not going to spend too much more time on this Colts team. It's really depressing. I thought they would be better than this. Titans look like they're getting on a roll. You know, pretty soon they're going to have a stranglehold on this division and it's going to be over quick. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't love the Titans coming in, but. Uh, they look like now they are the best team by default almost. You know, I don't, the rest of the teams yeah. in that division just stink. And the Colts being the most disappointing one to me, I felt like their offensive line should have been better than what they are. And honestly, if you picked – if you're a fantasy football player, you thought Jonathan Taylor was going to get all this volume and have a killer year, he has not done anything. He only had 10 carries in this game for 64 yards. Um, and I don't understand why they stopped running him at that point. But when you're down – it's hard to keep running the ball. I think that's the same issue we had with Derrick Henry coming in anyway. So uh, Michael Pittman, six for 68, he had a decent game, but this team lacks offensive firepower all around. And the quarterback that they have does not exactly uh, inspire the rest of the team around him. So uh, yeah, Colts 0-3 now and not looking good for them. And I, I know their schedule gets a little bit easier. They should be able to get a couple wins here and there, but they have clearly shown that they cannot compete with some of the better teams in the league. All right, Matt, we're moving on because, you know, who cares about the AFC South for much longer than that? Um, the, the AFC West, by the way, uh, is a division everyone should care about because it is amazing. And so is the NFC West. But we had an AFC West showdown at Arrowhead and my guy, Justin Herbert. I just got to say, if anyone has stolen my heart at a quarterback position, even more than Pat Mahomes, it's been Justin Herbert. I love this man. He's incredible. Uh, I said it all offseason that I loved him. I would have bet on him to win MVP if I could. And to me, he made a valid case for that in this game. He made some great throws, unbelievable plays, and was absolutely clutch in the fourth quarter in winning time. <clears throat> the Chargers go into Kansas City and stun the Chiefs 30-24. to The Chiefs have a losing record through three weeks. What is going on in Kansas City? Uh, but Herbert, 26-38, 281 yards, four touchdowns. He had an unbelievable throw off of a pump fake 
to Keenan Allen early in the game, completely faked out the linebacker, just juked him out of his shoes. And he's turning Mike Williams into a decent NFL player, which I didn't even think was possible. He had seven for 122 and two touchdowns. And then Austin Neckler, obviously, uh, another great weapon for them. Six catches, 52 yards and a touchdown, along with 11 carries for 55 yards. And Herbert did his legs, too, four for 16. I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs, but to me, I think if you have Justin Herbert, you've shown now that you can win any game. You can go into any scenario and beat any team. I know the Chiefs' defense doesn't offer much resistance, but to me, Herbert didn't make any mistakes, and Pat Mahomes did, and that was the difference in the game here. Yeah, man, the Chiefs, I, I talked about it last week, Randy. You can't play this type of football and expect to win, and I, I don't think it's on Mahomes. You know, he's been hitting the wide receivers in the hands, just a total lack of concentration. They, you know, the ball goes up in the air and into a defender's arms, and it's just one of those things that as a team, you start – you need guys to step up, you know, Mahomes can only do so much from the pocket. The offensive line hasn't been playing well. The running game is non-existent. Clyde Edwards Hilaire just cannot hold on to the football. And then that, that's going to be a fastest way to the bench. He, he might be a bust at this point. I mean, that's fair mm-hmm. to talk about the expectations of being a first round running back are pretty high, you know, because the position isn't valued that highly to begin with. Right. So, so now you start taking a look at this, and it's like this This is not good. Defensively, we already had questions about their secondary. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold up against a good quarterback. It, it is really starting to look that way. It looks like the Bucks kind of exposed them last year. They like to get grabby. So if you have wide receivers that can get off, you know, a jam and – you know, can draw some flags by mm-hmm. letting the refs know that they're they're grabbing them. The Chiefs are going to be in trouble. This is going to be a year where maybe they take a step back. Um, not what we expected at all, but they're going to need some young guys to step up. They're going to need some young guys to grow. But take a look at this division. The, the Chargers, by no mistake, they did this intentionally, hired Brandon Staley, so th- then you take a look at that when they got Brandon Staley. And now you move on. That's a defensive guy. Denver has Vic Fangio. This is all in response to Patrick Mahomes. They're hiring the best of these defensive minds. And Brandon Staley, a disciple of Vic Fangio, no coincidence there. But to, to me, the book is out. You know, they are going to go for the football. They want turnovers they're going to pressure the Chiefs into making mistakes. And I think the Chiefs are now experiencing what it's like to be the top dog. You get the other team's best each and every week. Yep. And they've played some tough games. I mean, the Browns obviously are a good team in the AFC, and I think the Ravens are a solid team in the AFC. And the Chargers have shown up and said, hey, we're here too. And we're not going anywhere. And if you can go into Arrowhead and win a game, you're legit to me. And I think the Chargers have – that's a game the Chargers would always lose with yep. Philip Rivers. And they did not lose this game. So, to me, the Chiefs have to realize now we're going to get punched in the mouth by every single team we play. They all are out to get us. And how do you adjust? And to me, it's it's a lot of it on the defense. But to me, Pat Mahomes threw – one brutal interception of this game. And overall, where is, I mean, Clyde Edwards there. He had a fumble, obviously. He, you know, he's mentioned that. So the turnovers have to be cleaned up. When you already have a bad defense, the one thing that's not going to help them is turning the ball over, putting the ball on the, on the turf. That's never going to help. Kelsey, seven for 104. Okay, that's fine. Worst Tyreek Hill. 
He had five for 56 in this game. If Tyreek Hill is not making plays, you're, you're going to be in trouble. Miko Hardman, three for 33 and a touchdown. Okay, he stepped up. That's nice. Uh, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire added a touchdown in the air as well. But, like, to me, that your stars have to play like your stars. And if Pat Mahomes is turning the ball over when he had two – if you, you turn the ball over three times and you're playing a good team at home, you deserve to lose. The Chiefs did. That's when they deserve to lose. The other aspect of this, Matt, and it's a little bit more serious, is Andy Reid left this game and had to be hospitalized. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on the status of him now, but it was a bit of a scary situation. But it seems like he's doing a little bit better. I don't know what it's the status of his, his status is if he can coach next week or what they'll have to do moving forward. But, um, you know, shit's going to get real for the Chiefs here if they have to travel to Philadelphia this week. So uh, I think they can handle the Eagles. But, I mean, maybe without Andy Reid, uh, it might be a little bit more of a struggle. Well, and, and make no mistake, the Josh Gordon signing, which should yes, be significant, yes. they did that for a reason. If, yeah. if this team's feeling good about Hardman and Robinson, he, ne- you know, Gordon's never signed. To me, we talked about this, Randy, at nauseum. It's, they mm-hmm. need someone to step up, and no one has stepped up. That's why Josh Gordon's a chief. Yep. I agree with you. And we, you know, they were interested in Juju in the offseason. They they clearly wanted to secure that wide receiver two spot and they hadn't done that. And we both said we needed Nicole Hardman to step up and be that guy, and he hasn't. So this is how you end up with Josh Gordon uh, on your team by week four. I think the Chiefs will be okay ultimately, but a little bit of a hole here off the top. I think they should they should have won that Ravens game. Uh, and they probably could have won this one as well. But nonetheless, here they are. And honestly, they could have lost the Browns game. So the Chiefs could easily be 3-0 and they could be 0-3. So it's a little bit of a different scenario right now for Kansas City that we're used to for from the last few years. Yep. All right. Upset special of the week, Matt. We both predicted this game, so I'm pretty proud about this one. Uh, I don't even know if it's an upset at this point. I just think they're a better team. But the New Orleans Saints march into the Foxborough and beat the New England Patriots 28 to 13. And we both were on top of this game. I, and I think that you know we should pat ourselves on the back for that. I think a lot of people are overlooking the Saints, overlooking Jameis. Oh, the Pats at home. Okay, cool. Uh, but hey, Jameis didn't even have to do much. He's 13 for 21, 128 yards, and two touchdowns on one of the more Please don't throw that ball touchdowns I've ever seen in my life. He's being dragged to the ground and chucks it up, and somehow Marcus Callaway was able to bring it home. Um, but this game, to me, just at the surface, is the New Orleans defense is totally legit. And they shot down Mac Jones. They picked him off three times. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins uh, had a pick six, so you love to see that. They shut down the running game less than 50 yards rushing for the Patriots. And if you do that, then you shut down the Patriots. Ultimately they go as far as their running game goes, as far as Damian Harris takes them. Uh, so you're seeing that now uh, with the turnovers, of the Pats, this, those are forced turnovers. I mean, one was a bad drop by John o. Smith that led to the pick six, but ultimately I think the saints defense in this front is way better than I ever anticipated. And I, I underestimate, I, honestly, I underestimated them all last year. They were super underrated all year. And here they are back again at full strength, it seems like. And they are here. And I think they could shut down just about any offense they play. And if you go into New England, I know Mac Jones is a rookie, but they, they really made him look pretty bad here. Yeah, I, I go back to last week, Randy, you know, against the Panthers. They were without four defensive starters. And all four of those guys were really important. So a lot of people were pumping up, you know, Sam Darnold here. I think if those four guys play and they don't have all those COVID issues, I think they beat Carolina. And I think they make life really difficult on Sam Darnold. This Saints team defensively is good. This is a top five defense all around. 
they can stop the run. They can stop the pass. They can get turnovers. They can sack the quarterback. And to me, when you take a look at what they did, it's just textbook. Don't let Jameis Winston beat you. You know, they're going to put Jameis Winston in some spots to succeed. You know what? He may not throw for over 3000 yards. He may throw for 40 touchdowns. He may not break 3000 yards, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. Mm -hmm. But to me, you know, the saints are a legit playoff contender at this point. I, I, that NFC South is looking pretty tough, but you know, I think the saints are going to extract some revenge on the Panthers. I see some slippage from the Panthers coming up, but you know, I, I felt like this game was easy to call just because they were getting guys back. They were living out of a hotel though. So that's never easy. But the Patriots just seem like they can't put up points. I mean, 17, what was it? 16, 17, and then 13. Yeah, that's not that's not good enough to win in the NFL. I also think Sean Payton kind of sneakily owns Bill Belichick. There's a weird Saints-Pats dynamic where the Pats seem to struggle with the Saints for the last decade, it seems. Uh, I'd like to go back and look at that. But I feel like every time the Saints play them, they seem to do pretty well. So, um and here we are again, Saints two and one with a cupcake Giants team coming into the dome, and then the Pats. We're going to talk about it, but the most anticipated regular season game of all time coming up here on Sunday Night Football. So, got to get late early for the New England Patriots. I, you know, you hate to see that. Those poor, poor Boston fans. You know, <laughs> really, you really feel it for those people. You know, they, yeah. they really rough. rough weekend with those Red Sox. Hey, you hate to see that too. Aaron Judge just tied up the game with a home run. Let's go. All uh, right. Uh, Ooh, Stan, just like. All right, all right, all right. Not doing play-by-play here for this game. We have to move on now to uh, another upset that I felt like I was actually on top of as well. But the Bengals going into Pittsburgh and dominating the Steelers, something not something you see every day here. They win 24 to 10. I called it. You might be right about the Steelers team. They are not very good. Um, But it starts and ends with Ben Roethlisberger and how he is used and um, the surroundings around him. Cause I don't think the offensive line is great. I think, you know, he looks like what Peyton Manning looked like, what Eli looked like, what Phillip rivers and uh, um, every aging quarterback at the end, what they all look like. Ben looks like a shell of himself and he looks totally washed. He looks even slower than ever before. You don't think he has the same arm strength. The stat sheet would lie to you. The stat sheet says 38 to 58, 318 yards, touchdown, two picks. All right, well, he threw 318 yards. No, he looked bad. Yeah. He looked really bad in this game. A lot of the sacks are even on him, like sacks he normally would not take. So, to me, if you're a Steelers fan, you're very concerned. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have picked Najee Harris. And I, look, I, I would always say not to pick a running back in the first round. I know there was no quarterbacks available at that point in time. I know there was no offensive linemen really available at that time. Trade back. Pick something else. I would not have just picked a running back and just assumed he was going to solve all my problems. That's what the Giants did in 2018, and look at where we are right now. I'm just saying you could have gone another uh, another route here. I don't know how soon it's going to happen, Matt, but I would not be shocked if Dwayne Haskins is a starting quarterback for the Steelers here eventually because this is going to get ugly if the defense can't stay healthy and keep them in games because they should not be getting blown out by the Bengals at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to provide much analysis to this. I thought the Steelers were going to suck this year. I thought the Steelers were going to lose to the Bengals. I th- th- There's nothing really for me to add to this narrative. I-, I think the Steelers are garbage. And without T.J. Watt, that defense isn't as good. So, I mean, it's just really one plus one equals two in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bengals, you got to be impressed with Jamar Chase. My God, that kid can fly. 
and all he does is catch long touchdown passes. Yeah, he uh, trolled all of us in the in the preseason. Yeah, yeah, he's like, hey, you know, I, I don't want to catch these footballs right now, but uh, yeah, trolled every one of us. They hustled us, is what they did. Yep. You know, the Bengals still need help on the offensive line. Um, we we saw that against elite defenses, this team's going to struggle. I I think Joe Burrow's a fantastic quarterback, just absolutely unbelievable. I I think we all love Joe Burrow. And mm-hmm. I think I think people are really coming around on Jamar Chase. I still would have took Panay Sewell. You know, if you, if you're asking me today, redraft Panay Sewell is available. I'm taking him over Jamar Chase, and it's nothing against Jamar Chase. I think right. he's fantastic, but I got to keep Joe Burrow healthy because if he's not healthy, who who's going to be throwing Jamar Chase the football? So, but kudos to the Bengals. Nice win, Bengals. Two and one, baby. Give yourself a round of applause. We might be looking at the three and one Cincinnati Bengals by Friday here. So a little teaser for you there. I mean, Bengals, who would have thought? Zach Taylor, I thought, would have been one of the first coaches fired uh, on, on that list. Yeah. Uh, but Bengals, good for them. Good for Cincinnati. Uh, not good for Ohio, because who cares about Ohio? But uh, <laughs> Ohio football looking pretty respectable these days. Who would have thunk it? Coming back from the dead after week one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, we're moving on to uh, Corey Decker's or Arizona Cardinals, your home state. Boy, I don't think I've ever seen a. a, I had the Cardinals in this game covering the. I think it was twelve or ten and a half point spread, and I never once in the first half thought they were going to actually do that. I had no faith in that at all, and the Jags were up uh, thirteen to seven, I believe it was, maybe even bigger than that. But then somehow the Jags just do what Jags do, and they blew this game, uh, and they and the Cardinals went thirty-one to nineteen. Kyler Murray remains one of the more entertaining players in the sport. Uh, 28 of 34, 316 yards, no passing touchdowns, but he did have a rushing touchdown where no player was really within like 20 yards of him, which is pretty remarkable considering it was at the one yard line. Uh, it seems like that's pretty hard to do. Uh, he did throw a brutal pick in this game. Speaking of brutal picks, uh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, not off to a great start in his career. 22 of 34, 219 yards, a touchdown, two picks. And one of those picks was a flea flicker where he did a Derek Jeter-like jump throw <laughs> into double coverage. Obviously, he didn't wasn't ready to throw the ball, and he was about to get hit. But uh, I feel like he should just throw the ball away at that point or just eat the sack. Um, but the Jags are a mess. Urban Meyer stinks as a head coach. And uh, that's how we're right here with the Jags 0-3 and the Cardinals 3-0. I don't really have much more to say about that. And, Matt, they were great, uh, really entertaining play in this game with a long uh, kick return for a touchdown. Yeah, 109 yard kickoff return for or, or a field goal attempt for a touchdown. Yes. Uh, just uh, what a dumbass play call. A 68 yard field goal in Jacksonville. I don't care what you got out there. And I, and I know Justin Tucker nailed one, but I mean, you're outdoors. If you're not in Denver, I'm not trying anything past 63. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's just me. But obviously, Justin Tucker can do it. To me, this call made absolutely zero sense. You're at towards the end of the half. Why bother? These guys are on the field goal team. They're mm-hmm. they block. That's what they do. They don't fucking tackle. If they tackle, they would be they'd be on the kickoff team and the punt team. But they're not. They're on the field goal team for a reason. And you attempt this asinine field goal. It, it made absolutely zero sense to go try to make it 68 yards off that play alone. The Cardinals deserve to lose this football game calls like that lose you games against uh-huh. good teams. So 
they're lucky they're playing against a team that is totally inept in almost every area of football because of this coaching debacle. And I, you know, I, I got to watch it a little bit of it. To me, Urban Meyer has no idea how to run an NFL team. You know, no. he, he struggles with, you know, um, the flow of the game, with the momentum, with trying to keep the ball away from the other team. James mm-hmm. Robinson, he was going. James Robinson was picking up yards. This Arizona Cardinals team struggles to stop the run. And yet he's doing some bullshit flea flicker with, you know, a team that can't really block it. It's I, I'm out on the Jags, Randy. I'm officially out. I'm tapping out. I, I think this team could lose every game. It, we said the Texans could, but damn it, an AFC South team is going to lose every game this year. Yeah, the Jags have lost uh, 18 straight uh, after starting that last year 1-0. <laughs> they have lost 18 in a row. That's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Uh, look, I thought Trevor Lawrence would make this a competitive, more respectable football team, and um, he has not looked good. And I honestly just can't help but to blame the coaching staff for that. Uh, they have not helped him and put him in a situation to succeed. Uh, the Cardinals end. The Connor uh, Edmonds rushing attack seems to be doing okay, except Edmonds didn't play that much. Connor with the two touchdowns on the ground, so that's fine. The A.J. Green resurgence in this game, 5 for 112 for him. Christian Kirk, 7 for 104. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins came in questionable in this game. They used much more of like a decoy, 3 for 21. So, hey, the Cardinals, it was ugly. Um, and Corey's not going to apologize for it. It's just a game you, you escape and you run away from and say, all right, at least we didn't lose. And the Cardinals show 3-0. So there you go. All right. Uh, moving on, we don't have to talk much about this one, Jacob. You can uh, turn off the show if you'd like. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to go to mile high, uh, much like the Jets did. And um, we're going to try to score more points than the Jets, um, which they only scored zero. So it shouldn't be that hard. Uh, <laughs> the Zach Wilson experiment seems to be, it continues to be uh, more of a struggle than even the Trevor Lawrence experiment, which is hard to do at this point. Wilson continues to look like just a guy who is not ready to do this. Uh, he's 19 to 35, 160 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, sacked five times. And Teddy, you know, he did what Teddy, you know, he was fine, 19 to 25, 235 yards. This felt like a game the Broncos just said, we are going to just win this game and move on. We're not going to show too much. We're just going to try to escape with no injuries. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, Gordon, 18 carries, 61 yards and a touchdown. Javante Williams, 12 for 29 and a touchdown. Tim Patrick, 5 for 98. I mean, Sutton, 5 for 37. This is just a clean Broncos win, 26 to nothing against the Jets. And it just says to me, the, the Jets quarterback room uh, and scenario, uh, maybe this is the Jets problem. Maybe this wasn't a Darnold issue. Maybe it wasn't a Gase problem. Maybe it is just the Jets. Uh, three points. Number one. Um, for my fellow parents out there, you, you know, when you tell your kids don't play with their food, the Broncos <laughs> were playing with their food all day on Sunday. I mean, it, it really just looked like the Broncos were so disinterested. They were just like, oh, whatever. These guys suck. And I, it showed on your television. Number two, the disrespect that this Broncos team is getting is sickening. I, I am so tired. Yes, they're playing teams that are 0-9, and people may not believe in Teddy Bridgewater yet. This team's not going to beat itself. This team will never, ever beat itself. It's going to beat you up. It's going to hold you to a minimal amount of points. It's a good football team. It's really well coached. 
my third point with the Jets, it, Zach Wilson wasn't ready for this, just like Trey Lance probably isn't ready for this, just like Justin Fields isn't ready for this. Trevor Lawrence can probably take his lumps. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is having some success doing some things with mm-hmm. a stupid coach, and it's not pretty, but I think Trevor Lawrence can survive this situation. But what the Jets did to Zach Wilson basically just fucked him over. You know, no veteran presence at all. No one to help walk him through the struggles, showing him how to play quarterback in the NFL. He went to BYU and granted college football on the West Coast. It's not bad, but it's not the SEC. It's not the ACC. You know, you're not going to stadiums with 100,000 screaming idiots. And now he's in the NFL, the lights are bright, and he is struggling mightily, and this team failed him in every possible way. It's an organizational failure. And really, for as much as Jets fans want to, you know, say Joe Douglas did a great job, Joe Douglas, his most important job was to set up an infrastructure around Zach Wilson to make sure that he could be the most successful version of himself, and he abjectly and un unquestionably failed at his job and that's a fireable offense it's not good and i know there was some optimism about the offensive line and that has been really bad as well and uh look everyone says oh the broncos play teams that are 0-9 look they helped them become 0-9 as far as yeah. I'm they were 0-6 against the rest of the teams they played sure but the Broncos helped that as well. They they dominated the Giants. They just cruised past the Jags, and they did the same thing here with the Jets. They'll get a test next week. I believe they have a divisional matchup next week. So the schedule gets a little bit harder, but good teams take care of business and don't worry about the teams on their schedule. So down so far, Denver looks pretty good, and they've had their injuries of their own, and they're able to overcome that as well. So, all right, two more games, uh, three more games, I believe, to discuss oh. on the docket. And then we trans – yeah, we, this is a long one today. And we'll, we'll move on to uh, our, our pick them for week four. All right, we're moving on to the overtime game of the week, the, the Raiders <laughs> uh, escaping the Dolphins. So Jacoby Brissett, um, who led them to a tie game-tying drive uh, at the end of the game, uh, enforcing overtime. And then Daniel Carlson hits the game-winning field goal uh, in overtime with, I believe, like – six minutes left i'm not sure but uh this game is the definition of why running backs don't matter to me uh <laughs> like you lose josh jacobs and everyone's like oh kenny drake's gonna have a great game but it was peyton barber of all people who had a great game he had 23 carries for 111 yards and a touchdown and barber had three catches for 31 yards so to me this was a plug-and-play running back scenario that worked just fine for them and drake had eight carries for 24 yards uh, along with three catches for 33 yards so to me this just shows we're a pass-first offense, and we can just put in whatever running back we want. Derek Carr, I don't think, played amazing in this game, but still did enough to win, obviously. 26-43, 386 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. And then Brian Edwards, which you can argue the running back point with the receiver point because this guy was a find in the mid-rounds. He had three for 89 and made a great play in overtime to help set up the win. And then Henry Ruggs um, is starting to develop into a little bit of a something here, Matt. I don't know if you noticed. He's actually making some plays, four for 78 for him. So um, I'm surprised the Raiders struggled this much with the Dolphins. I think the car had a pick six early on in this game, so that didn't help anything either. And Brissett, 
I think you're, if you're the Dolphins, you're like, we have a Tua problem after this game because Brissett came in and played better than I think Tua could have played. Uh, Brissett, 32-49, 215 yards. He had no p- passing touchdowns, no picks. He did have that rushing touchdown at the end of the game. So, to me, Brissett kept them competitive in this game, didn't make any brutal back-breaking mistakes, uh, and he kept the chains moving. So, I don't know what to make of the Dolphins going forward. I think their defense will keep them in games. I don't know how competitive they'll be or how many they'll win. But, to me, the Raiders are just happy to escape with a win here. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders 3-0. They're playing gritty football, getting out of games with wins. They they were nice enough to spot the Dolphins 14 points to start the game. Um, yeah, I, the Raiders are a tough gauge. I mean, we talk about the Broncos playing teams that are 0-9. I mean, the, the Raiders beat the Ravens. They beat the Steelers, which I don't think is some monumental feat. And they beat the Dolphins, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the Ravens are only the only team out of that stretch with a winning record. So Mm -hmm. to me, at the the end of the day, the Raiders have some things to clean up. I agree with the running backs. It doesn't matter at this point who they're throwing out there because of what they can do. And, you know, for NFL offenses, a lesson to be learned. If you got a guy that can blow the top off the coverage and you got a a really good tight end that can just eat up yards in the middle of the field, that's Mm going to force that defense to stay back. And then, yeah, you know what? Your running backs can eat then. So. To, to me, it's a good setup in Oakland. I, I still worry about the defense a little bit. Totally agree with you. If two is in this game, it's not even a game. I think the Raiders win going away. Jacoby Brissett kind of gives them a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a toughness. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm the Dolphins, I need to figure out who my quarterback's going to be in the future. If I'm the Raiders, I'm feeling pretty good. I know I got some tough divisional games against the Broncos, Raiders, I'm Broncos, Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs coming up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's time for separation. Yep. And the uh, Raiders 3-0 for the first time since 2002. That was the last time they made the Super Bowl. So if you're a fan of the previously known as Oakland Raiders and now the Vegas Raiders, you got to be excited about that. Uh, and Derek Carr, I still think is a you know putting in his work to be an MVP candidate. So good for him on that. Uh, I don't know how long it'll last, but it's fun to talk about right now. All right, I believe I have this rundown different than how it is on the website. So let's move on to where are we at here? I lost my Vikings. Vikings and Seahawks, baby. Oh man, Matt. You- <laughs> I think I'm pretty shocked at this outcome, but maybe I shouldn't be. Um, but the Vikings just run all over the Seahawks in this one without Dalvin Cook in the Alexander Madison show. Uh, 26 carries, 112 yards, leads the Vikings 30 to 17. And the Seahawks seem to do this thing where they score a ton of points in the first half and don't score any in the second half because they were up uh, they were up 17 to 7 at one point in this game. And then they went down 21-17 and then were held scoreless. In the, rest the, in the rest of the second half. So I think the Seahawks have a bit of an identity problem and the Vikings won a must-win game in their home debut. So good win for the Vikings here, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, let's call it what it is. Seattle has problems offensively and defensively. Yep. They can't stop the run and they're too dependent on their passing game to open up their offense. They, they struggle to run the football, e- even with, you know, Chris Carson, who I'm not even sure is playing because I sure as hell didn't see a whole lot of them. Um, on Sunday, the Vikings, you talk about like this bizarro team. They could so easily be three and oh, I mean, mm-hmm. that is how crazy this is. And, you know, they lost games because, you know, they're just, 
I don't know. They're, they're the Vikings. They do Viking things. They, you know, right. they, they have Kirk Cousins, the personality of the team. Um, to me, big win for them. You know, it, it was a big win. I thought Seattle would be able to win this game, but, you know, Seattle's got a lot of issues and they got to do some soul searching and figure out what type of team they're going to be. Um, to me, it feels like it's a lot of Russell Wilson being a me, you know, to try trying to be the show here. And, and so sometimes you just got to play complimentary football, you know, get in there. They were up 17 to seven. All you got to do is start taking control of the game, play physical, impose your will. You know, I don't need to throw for a bunch of yards. I'm going to start wanting to run the football and they don't commit to that. So to me, you know, this, this Seattle team, not very good. It's not looking good for them. And maybe it is a Russ problem because, you know, he was 23 or 32, 298 yards and a touchdown. But like you said, once you're up 17 to seven, you got to start pounding the rock. You know, feed Chris Carson, you know, let Alex Collins run a little bit. Russell, why don't you run a little bit? You know, like, let that clock pound, uh, you know, make the Vikings defense tires. I think the Vikings defenses are world beaters by any means. You know, I think, you know, the Seahawks really put themselves in a position to fail here. And, uh, you, you know, I'm, I just feel like we have to shout out Kirk Cousins here too, because we give Kirk Cousins a lot of shit. Um, but when the running game goes well, Kirk Cousins is a, is a really good quarterback here because he had 30 for 38, 323 yards, three touchdowns, no picks and a QBR of 93.2. So I feel like Cousins, um, when the going is right, the guy is money. And just Jefferson, nine for 118 in a touchdown. Conklin, seven for 70 in a touchdown. Madison, six for 59. Thielen, only six of 50, but he had a touchdown. And then he's making KJ Osborne a thing. The guy with a long dread seems to make a play every single week. So to me, Cousins is just a guy who maybe a lot of times they are empty stats, but it feels like in this game, they actually were valuable numbers and he actually put up, you know, put the team on his back a little bit. I know you're not going to give Kirk Cousins a ton of credit, but uh, I feel like he deserved a shout out there. Yeah, no, you, you can do all that on your own. I I refuse <laughs> to give that bum any credit. Uh, I'll be the unbiased journalist of this podcast. <laughs> all right. The final game that we could talk about. Then we finally made it to the end here. Right? Oh. And so we still have to do our, our, our rapid picks. We'll do those much quicker than this. Let's end it with what I thought would, would still could be an NFC championship preview in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. Um, I had the Rams winning this game. You had the Bucs winning this game, I think. It was just one of the games we were going head-to-head. Yep. Uh, turns out I was correct. The Rams came out and just gave it to Tampa Bay here. Um, and I didn't think it was going to be this type of game. It felt like a big blow. The score is not as um, was was not as close as it you know, ended up being 34-24 to 24 Rams over Bucks. The Rams dominated this game, I felt like. And Stafford started, I believe, one of six, but then still finished 27 to 38, 343 yards and four touchdowns. Get ready for the Matt Stafford MVP season, Matt Bush. Yeah. If you're not ready by now, it is happening. This man is on a tear, and McVay is unbelievable. Um, I absolutely love Sean McVay, and he is solidifying himself as one of the best coaches in the league. Um, and the Rams do this without ever running the ball. They have only 76 yards on the ground. Um, but Deshaun Jackson, they finally connected on a long touchdown for him. He had a 75-yarder in this game, three for 120 and a touch. Cooper Cup, nine for 96, two touchdowns. I, for the life of me, don't understand why the Tampa was not double-teaming Cooper Cup, um, but they didn't. Van Jefferson, 442, and then you still get Tyler Higby touchdown. You get a Robert Woods nice game. And overall, I mean, this was all Rams all the time. 
And, um, you know, Brady's stat sheet can look all as good as it wants, but this game was not that close. He finishes 41-55, 432 yards and a touchdown. And the running game is even worse than the Rams. They only had 35 yards on the ground. The Bucs team is going to be in trouble on games like this when they can't run the ball. Um, what are your main takeaways from this one, Matt? I'm not sure if the Rams even committed a penalty. I, I kid you not. They played as sharp of a game as I've ever seen. Like they were so clean, so sharp, so precise. Everything was the way you want it to be. I, I, I think right now, if you're taking a look at it, McVay has to get coach of the year to just flat yeah. out because he's got a quarterback and he's turned this quarterback that always kind of felt like, man, he just shrinks in big moments. You know, he turns the ball over in inopportune times. And my God, Matthew Stafford's just, you know, whipping everybody. He's so good. Everything's so fluid. Cooper Cup, I don't know if you can double team a slot receiver. I mean, yeah. that's just how crazy this is. Robert Woods is steady. Um, Jefferson looks like he's turning into that big play wide receiver, that guy that can blow the top off the defense. And Cooper Cup as a slot guy can run fast too. This is mm-hmm. a very, very good Rams team. The Bucs, yeah, I, absolutely explosive. I, I think for the Bucs, this is kind of your worst nightmare here is you don't want to play this team in Los Angeles again. You just don't. Nope. Brady looked like he was rattled a little bit. Keep in mind, there was very little fans last year at all for the majority of the season. And Tom Brady was able to run his offense. Not have to worry about a whole bunch of noise. It was eerily quiet. Now, when you put Brady in an environment that's hostile, that's loud, you know, you think these guys are on the same page, but if he can't get that running game going and they can't get that play action, and I, I'll say this, they beat the living hell out of Gronkowski. I mean, this Rams defense came to play and they pounded them. The Bucks don't have a running back at, at this point. I mean, I don't believe in Fournette. I don't believe in Rojo. And I don't know who this other guy, oh, Giovanni Bernard hurt his knee. You know, there's a lot of bad here for the Bucks. I don't think it's doom and gloom. I still think this team and the Rams will meet up. This is the NFC championship game, Randy. I can't find two better teams in the NFC. And I hope to God they don't play until the NFC championship. I could see the Niners, you know, making it to that point, but they need to clean up some things, obviously. But this kind of, I don't know if, it, if I just have this in my, t- my, this is on my mind from last year, but remember when the Chiefs went into Tampa? and just lit him up, and Tyreek Hill had like 200 mm-hmm. yards in the first quarter, and then when the Super Bowl came around, we were like, oh, I don't know, how are they going to stop all this stuff again, and then they just figured it out. Yeah. I wonder if this is going to be another scenario where we'll cut down the line, and they say the AFC title game, the Bucks figure out a way to, to stop these Rams, and then maybe maybe the Bucks get lucky again, and the two tackles for the Rams get hurt or something like that, but <laughs> this, is that, this is what that game reminded me of, and McVay really has done a, a fantastic job and you're seeing with him with a quarterback that he wanted, someone who's competent, has a great arm, uh, who has, I think now we're all starting to realize was probably held back at Detroit all those years, besides the years he had Calvin Johnson. Um, but he he really might win MVP this year. And it's it's it, the Rams are just so fun to watch. And that stadium is so fun to, to look at. And I, I'm all in on the Rams. I'm so impressed. And uh, Aaron Donald, they have two, two of the best defensive players, too, and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So. Uh, they are just as good as any team, and they have just as good as anyone uh, chance to to win a title. So, um, I think an angry Brady going to New England is not something the Pats fans wanted, but uh, I think that's what you're going to end up getting here. 
Angry Brady. <laughs> angry Brady, angry. All right. Uh, so let's do a week four preview. We're not going to do a whole special Thursday night football breakdown just because it's a stinker. We don't need to go through and break down, you know, okay. It's Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence and that fat pass two number one overall picks. That's the storyline right there. That's all we really need to say, Matt. I don't know if you feel any differently, but I don't see how the Jags win this game. And we're looking at a three to one, uh, a three and one Bengals team after Thursday night football. Yeah. I like the Bengals. I like the Bengals 24 to the Jaguars 10. All right. So uh, I like that score. It is the same exact score the Bengals beat the Steelers with, though. So I'm going to say the Bengals 30 to the Jags 20. Ooh, I don't know how the Jags get 20 points, but that'll be interesting. Garbage time, garbage time, garbage time. All right. Uh, moving on now to the first game in the Superdome in New Orleans uh, after Hurricane Ida caused some flooding issues down there. Uh, they finally get to play in their stadium after being on the road for the whole start of their season. Um, and it starts with the Giants, of course. Uh, coming, <laughs> 0-3 Giants going down in New Orleans. This is going to be a bloodbath, I think. Um, I think the Saints dominate the Giants. I think they struggle to score because they struggle to score against a shit Falcons defense at home. I don't see how they would score much more against a good Saints defense at home. A ruckus crowd happy to be back. Um, this feels like blowout city to me. This feels like Saints 31, Giants 13. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to differ too much from that score, except I am. I'm going to take the Saints 27 to the Giants 3. <laughs> 3. Wonderful. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now we have the Washington football team traveling to Atlanta to play those Falcons. And, hey, we could be looking at the Falcons at 500 after that. Who would have thought that? I mean, this is unbelievable. Um, but Washington, uh, they need to get right as well. So this is a 1-2 and two team against a 1-2 and two team both desperate for wins and divisions that are pretty competitive for the most part. I don't have a great read on this game. I think the Falcons absolutely stink. And I just think Washington has better players. And if I was a betting man, which I, I kind of am, I think I would just go Washington here because I don't trust the Falcons one, one bit. Yeah. I'm going to take Washington. I, I just think Chase Young is that dynamic game wrecker. Uh, Calvin Ridley hasn't been used at all to the way that I would like him so much that I think if you own Calvin Ridley and it's not a keeper league, uh -huh. you need to move off of him. I, I don't see the situation getting better. So I'm going to take Washington. I think this is going to be a sloppy game, Randy. So I'm going to take Washington 17 and Atlanta 13. Yeah, I'm leaning Washington. I'm going to say Washington 22, Falcons 17, and it's ugly. Uh, okay. Uh, moving on to this is my survivor pick of the week, by the way. Just throwing this out there if you were in any survivor leagues. The Houston Texans traveling to Western New York to play the Buffalo Bills, who got right at ball conference. And this is Davis Mills going into Buffalo. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm picking the Bills all day. This is going to be a huge blowout again. I'm going to go Bills 41, Texans 10. Damn. Um, yeah, I, this is God, they scored nine points against the Panthers. Yeah. Oh Jesus! I I'm gonna just I'm gonna roll with the Bills here easily. I agree. Survivor pick lock of the century. I, I'll take the Bills forty four to the God Texans. I'm struggling here, Randy. I don't know. Like I could see them scoring zero points. I could see them scoring three. Um, whatever it is, bet the spread. Take the Bills on the spread because they're gonna win big. They might get the over by themselves. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so Texans, poor guys. 
Uh, all right. Now we have your, your team, you know, welcoming in the Frisky Lions team. And the, this is where I'm confused because Matt Nagy's press conference yesterday, he could say, he said uh, Dalton could start, Fields could start, Nick Foles could start. What the hell is going on here? Um, I don't like when I get the vibes out of the Bears here. Um, I, I think the Lions should have won that game last week. I think the Lions are playing frisky, confident, um, tough football. And I think the Lions are capable of beating the Bears in this game. What do you think? Division matchup, always rough. The, the one thing I know for sure is the Bears have the best unit on the field, and that's going to be that defensive line. Yeah. It's, it's going to be better than what the Lions are going to be throwing out there. Historically, the Bears really do well against Jared Goff. It's the other parts that they struggled against with McVay. Um, I, I just, to, to me, Randy, I, I hate this game because, like you said, if it's Dalton, I think the Bears win. If it's Foles or Fields, I don't like that at all. You know, I, I think Fields has got some major growing pains to still go through. Foles mm-hmm. is just completely immobile. He's not going to be able to move out of the pocket. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm three and oh, I'm picking the bears this year. You know, I, I, I predict them to lose against the Rams and the Browns. I predict them to beat the Bengals. I, I just, I cannot, I can't see a scenario when the bears lose this game. I think this is going to be all time ugly. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I'm going to take the bears 12 to the lions 10. Oof, that is ugly. You know, I, I'll, I'll just take the Lions to cover then because you're right. The Bears defense, I think, is the best unit on the field. Um, and I'll say Bears 17 to the Lions 16. This is what I'll say. Uh, I mean, right. giving them a touchdown. I don't think the Bears score a touchdown. I think it may be a defensive touchdown. Yeah, there you go. They're, they're used to that. Yeah, you know, golf gives them a nice little pick, picky six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take All right, it. this is – this is a this is a, ended up being a great matchup here in Jerry World. The three and Panthers traveling to play the two and one Cowboys, and it, I, I mean this is a great game here. Um, one I was not expecting to be a great game. Is that my my computer making those noises? Yes, it is. My computer making those noises. Uh, my apologies for the technical difficulties. Those are gone. I don't believe Wild Barry either. I don't even know where the hell that came from. Stupid ESPN. Um, yeah, so we have the, the Sam Darnold going in to play Dak, and to me, I think this is where the Panthers get a little bit humble. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out how good that defense really is because I think the Cowboys' offense, as we spoke earlier, is absolutely legit. Uh, what do you get from this game? I, I'm just excited for, to watch this one. Yeah, I, I think Dallas is battle-tested at this point. You know, yeah. they, they've played big games. They've played on the national stage uh, on Monday night football and Thursday night football to open the season, and they showed they can hang with the defending Super Bowl champions, give me Dallas. I, I think those wide receivers and those tight ends and Zeke is showing life. Dallas, mm-hmm. Dallas can just do so many things to hurt you offensively. Um, I do like Darnold a little bit in this matchup. I don't think he's going to yeah. have a great game, but he should have a solid game. So give me Dallas 28. I think they get four touchdowns to the Panthers 24. I love that score. Yeah. So kind of where I was at, my mind was at too. Um, I, I I think you're right about the Cowboys. They've had three tough games right out the bat, and they handled all three of them. And I, I could not be more impressed. Uh, I don't know, maybe the Eagles aren't as tough as I as I thought they would have been, but still a divisional game against a hated rival. Uh, those are always uh, competitive games. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go Dallas 30 to the Panthers 26, um, and I do think it's a it's a pretty entertaining game. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. All right. Uh, the Colts now traveling to Miami to play the Dolphins, and I'm just done thinking the Colts are going to come out here and and put their season on the line and, and actually do something with their season here. So I like the Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett and their defense and their coaches. I just think the Dolphins are – I honestly think the Dolphins look at their quarterback situation and go, we're better off with Brissett <laughs> than we were with Tua, and I, I just think they end up beating the Colts here. I can't imagine – what happens to Indianapolis if they start 0-4? Because then you got to start thinking about, is Frank Reich the right coach to lead this team? And then what, what does that leave you with Carson Wentz? Yeah. To, to, to me, this is a your back is up against the wall. The Dolphins also need to win because they have playoff aspirations. And that yeah. AFC West is just building up wins. To, to me, though, I just think Miami is so limited at so many positions but I'm not going to bet against Miami against this Colts team. I'm not going to do it. Darn it. Give me the Dolphins 17 to the Colts 16. Yeah, I just can't. I I thought the Colts were going to come out and play inspired and try to, you know, get a win with their season on the line. I think what's your own three. There's not much salvaging at that point. So uh, I, I just don't see how they go into Miami and beat this good, good Miami defense. Uh, and I think Brissett is good enough to go beat his old team, by the way, uh, the Colts. And, and I think the, the, and I do think the Dolphins win. I think they win uh, 23 to 16 uh, over, over Indy. All right. This is an entertaining matchup right here is the Browns going to Minnesota to play the Vikings. Uh, I think these are, I mean, I, I just think the Browns, I want to watch them every week. I think they're loaded and a great, good defense. Uh, obviously great running game. And then Odell coming back. Uh, I, I always want to see what they do there. I expect Odell to actually have a really big game here. Um, I don't think the Viking secondary is, you know, great. And I think Patrick Peterson's probably going to be the guy on Odell. I, I think you could have a nice game here. Uh, overall, uh, I think the Vikings handled the Seahawks, but I think the Browns are a much tougher test, and I like the Browns here in a close one. I think what the Browns can do personnel-wise is so much greater than what the Vikings can do. Yeah. And, I mean, Miles Garrett is may have defensive player of the year sewed up before the end of this game. Seriously. Um, yeah, he's so good. He's so good. And I always lean to, towards who can be the biggest difference maker. I like the Browns here because they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Stefanski's not a – he's going to run it. I mean, he's going to beat you up. He's going to wear your defense down. And the Vikings, when they get punched in the face and they continually have to try to stop Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and then those first down passes. And quietly, Baker Mayfield is making some pretty big-time throws. Mm-hmm. So give me the Browns. I, I, I think the Browns will put up 24 points to the Vikings 17. Yeah, I like the Browns. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 34 to the Vikings uh, 28. Wow. I think it's a high-scoring game. And I think the Browns win it. Okay, moving on now to the other pick I considered for Survivor, and it is the Titans traveling to the Meadowlands to play the Jets. Uh, the Jets are becoming a team that I just feel like I want to play against in Survivor. I feel like the good things happen when you have a team playing the Jets. Uh, I expect the Titans to roll here. I expect Henry to have a big game, and I think the Titans just kind of handle their business here. I think they might play with their food, and for use the example that you used earlier, uh, I think they might win, and it's 21 to 10, and maybe Zach Wilson gets a garbage time touchdown. So that, that's my score. I'm mildly concerned because I think A.J. Brown is out for the Titans this week. So 
I think 21 is a good score for the Titans. I, I do think it's 21. And I think and the, the Jets just look so offensively anemic. Mm-hmm. I, I'll go 21 to nine. All right. Some more scores for us there. Ultimately, I do think the Titans just cruise uh, past the Jets. All right. Now, the, the, the get-right game of all get-right games for me, the Chiefs really need to right the ship here in Philadelphia to face the Eagles. And I think this is a horrible spot for Philly. Uh, I would not want to be playing the Chiefs right now. I think the Chiefs are pissed. And I think that they see the Eagles and see all their flaws that Dallas exploited and are ready to just explode. So to me, I feel like we're going to see the Chiefs in their true form. And I think they end up just taking all their anger out on the, on the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to go Chiefs 38, the Eagles 24. I, I just think the Chiefs are going to put up a bunch of points. They're, they're close, you know, yeah. just some mental mistakes, but I agree with you. I, I think they're tired now, and hopefully they wake the fuck up. Yeah, to me, I just think, you know, it's they, they, if the, the Eagles let the Cowboys score 41 on them, uh, I just think the Chiefs are capable of doing even more. Um, it, I don't know what the weather forecast looks like, but barring some sort of rainstorm, I think the Chiefs are just going to go absolutely ape shit in this game. So I like Philly 44. Uh, I like Kansas City 44 to the Eagles 23. All right. And now we are going on to – I keep losing my spot here. Uh, the Cardinals against the Rams in the NFC West, champ, uh, NFC West uh, showdown here. Um, and then the Cardinals have had a nice start to the season, obviously the three and zero. but I think the, the, the little romanticizing about the Cardinals comes to an end here. I think they got a little too cute. I, I felt the frustration coming from Corey during that Cardinals game against the Jags. And I think the Rams are just going to show up and just make their life a little difficult. So I like the Rams here. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a blowout, but I do think they win handily. The Rams continually spank the Cardinals with Sean McVay as their head coach. Yeah. Um, they started some bum-ass quarterback last year. I can't even remember his name because um, Jared Goff couldn't go, and they still beat the Cardinals mm-hmm. that allowed the Bears to get him to playoffs. You know, if you ask the Cardinals who their daddy is, it's Sean McVay. I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna take the Rams 41 to the Cardinals 29. All right. I will go Rams 38 to the Cardinals uh, 28. So high scoring game, but ultimately the Rams roll. All right. So now it's the other NFC West showdown, the other two teams playing each other. And it's the Seahawks traveling to Santa Clara to play the 49ers. Um, This feels like a bad spot for the Seahawks because I just think the Seahawks aren't that good. And then they've shown us now who their true colors are. So um, the Niners are probably poised for a bounce back win here. So both teams coming off losses to NFC North foes, Mm -hmm. which feels weird to say, but I'm going to take Seattle here. I think think Seattle feels it. Like they feel the pressure. San Francisco, I have no idea what the hell they're doing offensively. It's just confusing to me. And sometimes they just stumble too much. I I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. And matter of fact, I'm going to take Seattle 27 to San Francisco's 26. Okay. I'm going to go San Fran 24 to the Seahawks 20. Uh, Okay. Moving on now to a rematch of a Super Bowl 47, I believe. And it is 
the Ravens traveling to Denver to play the Broncos. And I think this is the first test the Broncos have actually had against a competent team. Uh, obviously, the Ravens are 2-1. and one. They probably should have lost against the Lions last week. I don't know what to make of this matchup. I don't know if it's the Broncos now facing some real competition are going to struggle, or maybe the Ravens uh, are facing a, a decent team in their own right, and they might get doors blown off of here. So I, I don't know what to make of this. I'm going with the Broncos here. I just, I, I believe in this team. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't, for Lamar Jackson not to be able to trust his wide receivers with that Broncos secondary and with Von Miller just playing out of this world again, it, it's just a tough task. And, and I think offensively the Broncos can be steady enough and they'll commit to the run game and they'll mix in enough Teddy Bridgewater plays. I think it's going to be a really good game. If you like football, this is going to be a good game to watch. But I do like the Broncos here. I like the Broncos 20 to the Ravens 17. I do think this is going to be a really great close game, and I think this is going to be the biggest test so far for Denver. But I do think Mile High is a tough place to play, and I think Lamar is going to feel that. And I, ultimately, I do think that's enough for for the Broncos to win. I just going to say Denver wins twenty three to twenty one in a really really tight one. Yeah, hopefully, Tucker doesn't get within seventy yards of field goal range. That's right. That record won't only last for a week. <laughs> they need it, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so then we have the last uh, game on the slate in the 430 spot. It is the Steelers traveling to Green Bay to play the Packers in a Super Bowl 45 rematch here. And this is a game against classic NFL franchises. But it feels like these two teams are going in opposite directions. Um, this feels like a bad time for the Steelers <laughs> to play the Packers. And I feel like this is going to be the Packers big. Yeah, rest in peace, Pittsburgh. This is the end of your season right here. <laughs> Um, I, I'm taking the Packers big. I, I think the Packers put up 40 on them rather easily. I All mean, right. th- they put up 30 on San Francisco's defense, and I, yeah. I would take San Francisco nine times out of nine, twice on Sunday. Whatever you want to do here, San Francisco plays a much better defense than Pittsburgh does, and Big Ben's not going to be able to do Jack Diddley against this team. They can't run the football. Their offensive line yeah. sucks. Aaron Rodgers is going to go bonanza. Aaron Jones is probably going to get three rushing touchdowns. So give me the Packers 47 to the Steelers 10. Wow. That would be embarrassing. Uh, I'm going to go Green Bay 34 to the Steelers 16. And it's not that close. Uh, okay, now the primetime games, and it is being billed as such, and I got to say I'm pretty excited for it myself, but it is the most anticipated regular season matchup of all time. I think it's not going to play out that way, but it's no. fun to talk about all week long. The Tom Brady's return to New England with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is where I'm just going to say this. If you're a Boston sports fan, I hate you. You can go fuck yourself. I really disagree <laughs> Because you're not allowed to cheer Tom Brady and say that that ring was yours and be all happy all the time. And also, if the if the freaking Buc- if the Patriots somehow beat the Bucks, you can be happy and be like, "Oh, Bills to go." No, this is not how this works. You're gonna suck. Tom Brady's gonna shove his nuts in your mouth. He's gonna dominate you on Sunday, and you're done. Your season's done. You're gonna be one and three, and you're gonna just. <laughs> Yearn for those days of Tom Brady being your quarterback. You're absolutely toast here. I'm done with Patriots fans. I hate Boston fans in general. I'm so ready. And I honestly have become such a bigger Brady fan now that he's not on the Patriots. I think you're getting angry Brady coming back to Foxborough, and he is just 
going to shove it to Belichick all game long. Yeah. Boston fans, you can't hedge your bets on this one. You're going to have to. Yeah, if they do, what a cowardly bitch act that would be. Cowardly. Cowardly. So they do. Yeah, well, grow some man balls. That is just, that, that would be so pathetic. I, I would be so disappointed in every Boston fan if they did that. You stand up and you cheer for your freaking Patriots and you take this anal fishers that you're going to get with the revenge you deserve. <laughs> this is going to be so bad. I mean, I, I would feel better about the Patriots keeping it close if they came off of a win, um, yeah. Tampa Bay, that is, against the Rams. But, man, you're going to get a very pissed-off Tom Brady. He is not going to be happy. I, I Mac Jones is going to get killed. I, yeah. this, this might be the game where he literally gets killed. I, I – man – God, I'm going to take the Bucks big here, and I'm going to say 34 to three. I think the Bucks just wiped the floor with them. I just don't know where the Patriots' scoring is going to come from here. Uh, their offense is very limited to me, and I think the Bucks are capable of shutting down that rushing game. Are you going to let Mac Jones loose? Are you going to let him just start chucking the ball downfield? I doubt it. Are the Patriots even capable of that? I don't think so. And I just love that the Patriots are going to get what Brady did to other teams for so long, to the Bills, to the Jets, to the Dolphins, to the Steelers, to the Colts, all these other teams that Brady dominated, he's going to give it back to the Patriots fans the way they deserve it. You got swept by the Yankees this weekend. You're going to get shit on by Brady and the Bucks. You deserve all of it. I'm sick of you, Boston sports fan. I got the Bucks huge, 38-14, to 14, and it's not even that close. Wow, 14 points for the Patriots. Garbage time points. And then the argument is over. It was Brady the whole time, not Bill. And then <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore. Anyway, now we have the Monday Night Football game. And it is a AFC West showdown. It is the Raiders traveling to SoFi. The Battle of Beautiful Stadiums, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Vegas against L.A. Um, and I think this is where the Raiders' uh, romanticized season starts to come down to earth a little bit because the Chargers are an absolute juggernaut. And Justin Herbert is the absolute man. So I like the Chargers in this game. I don't think I've picked a single Monday night football game correctly this year. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because I had the Cowboys and you had the Eagles. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've missed on every Monday night football game this <laughs> year. So now I get to decide, like, I picked the Ravens to beat the Raiders. That didn't happen. I don't even know who played in week two, but I'm almost positive I got that one wrong. And, of course, I picked the Eagles over the Cowboys. Um, it was Packers-Lions, so I assume you had the Packers. I picked the Lions. Oh, you would. I did. I totally picked the fucking <laughs> Lions. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm sorry that whatever fan base that I'm going to pick this game for because that means you're probably going to lose. So, damn it, if I'm going down, so is Randy. Chargers win, baby. <laughs> Chargers will win – 28 to 27 in just an absolute classic matchup to the number two and three MVP runner-ups. I think the whole world is just ready to see how amazing Justin Herbert is. And I can't wait for everyone to see what I've been watching and falling in love with this whole time. Uh, I love him. And I, I agree. I think, he, I think they win a classic. I think it's 29 to 27. 
Chargers. Uh, and it's going to be a great one. All right, Matt, we're uh, almost two hours into this, and we have a, a couple minutes. Why don't you tell us about all the other shows that are under the Life Group uh, podcast umbrella? We have the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks on Thursdays. Great show. Lots of stuff happening in the wrestling world. AEW is on fire and fuego. So be sure to tune into them on Thursdays. I have no idea what time, so you just look out for that. Step Back Podcast for Basketball Life was back on Friday. I tuned in. Great show, fellas. Jacob Anthony Moses, Leon Tompkins. Lost that time. You know, it, it, it's getting closer. It's getting a lot closer. I feel bad for Leon because his Lions will have to lose to my Bears this weekend. But you know what? Leon's used to losing, so I'm sure he'll do okay because he's got the Brooklyn Nets probably winning the NBA title this coming season. Um, and then I am lost on the Total Basis podcast. I'm not sure if they're doing it. I'm not sure if their season is wrapped. Um, if they do it, it's Sunday mornings, um, kind of rough with the NFL. You never want to go head to head with the NFL, Randy. Even their pregame shows will outdraw everyone. Oh, yeah. Just what the NFL does. You're setting your fantasy lineups. I mean, you're not, I mean, there's some people who are still into the fantasy baseball playoffs at this point, but I think now people have shifted their focus to fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, this is the last week of it. It's over after this. Mm -hmm. Champions will be crowned, babies will be crying. Everything will be settled, so just tune in for that. Um, I'm not sure if they'll do a wrap-up. I'm pretty sure they will, but Felipe Melicio and Sean Flannery, Total Basis Podcast, got your total fantasy baseball covered. And then Dong City will be doing another episode of MLB Playoff um, Baseball Projections. They may not be going this – I'm not sure when they're going to go, but they, they'll go again. Be on the lookout for that with Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr., Little spoiler here, they are both going to predict that the St. Louis Cardinals are going to win the World Series. They already told me. We're good friends with them. So they're taking the St. Louis Cardinals, um, and they think they're the most entertaining team in all of baseball. I disagree. Randy disagrees. Yeah. You know, Henry and Vince, they do, the experts, they do their own thing. So, and then, yeah, yeah you know, the experts. Who, who knows about those guys? And then. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday, Randy, with a lot of wrong predictions, a lot of right predictions. I mean, a lot of stuff in between, but it's getting close to that time, Randy. We thought the Yankees were dead, and then here they are, like the Undertaker, popping right back up. Well, yes, yeah, so that's a great transition into our bet update. We are in the final week of the baseball season. I guess it's important to say where our teams stand. The Chicago White Sox have clinched the NL Central, so congratulations to you. You are playoff bound, destined to play the Houston Astros in round one of the, a the ALDS. The Yankees are fighting for their lives. They are coming out. There are you know, six straight wins right now. They swept Boston in Boston. John Carlos Stanton, uh, massive weekend in Fenway. Uh, they're currently losing two to one to the Blue Jays, which is one of the teams fighting for those wild card spots with them right now. They have two on with one out in the top of the fifth. So you know the Yankees are threatening. So hey, the Yankees are a streaky team, and if they are going to make the postseason, it will be because they are hot. It's not going to be because they backed in. And I think uh, you know the Yankees need to take. I mean, Hopefully they get two or three from Toronto and we don't have to worry about that as much. So uh, your White Sox can chill for now, Matt. I mean, it, it, in, you, you, so far the bet is in your favor. You have the edge, um, but the Yankees are, are trying to stay alive for me. Well, the White Sox are not doing any chilling. Luis Robert and Yuan Mankata have home runs today. The White Sox are beating the Reds two to nothing. Two to nothing. Well, there you have it. And um, 
there's a chance, you know, the White Sox and Yankees still end up with the same record at the end of the year, which would be pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I wish we played in your division, that's for sure. Oh, come um, on, stop hey, it. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, hey, no big deal. Um, but the AL East, always a juggernaut, and here we are. So um, Yankees are going to fight for their lives to potentially probably lose in the wild card game, and then I still lose the bet anyway. Hey, <laughs> so that's where we're at right now with our bet. Um, Matt, Matt, before we say goodbye, do you have any parting words for our audience? Uh, stay away from many Chicago Bears offensive players in fantasy. It's just don't don't do it to yourself. It's not worth it. Same goes for the Giants, by the way. Uh, <laughs> stay away from both of our teams in fantasy. Yes, both uh, both pretty garbage. Uh, so that's sound advice there, Matt. Uh, so I thank you for that, and I thank everyone who joined us on our Facebook live stream, anyone who watches us on YouTube, and anyone who listens to us on any of our audio only platforms. Uh, we greatly appreciate you taking the time and making us a part of your day. So uh, on behalf of Matt Bush, I'm Randy Hammond, saying see you guys next week and enjoy week three.